to, uh, to quote an overshown insurance commercial. Well played, my friends. And for leading us in prayer this morning, well prayed, my friend. Good leaders are hard to find. Came across a few excerpts from the actual military fitness reports taken from the files of the British Royal Navy and the Marine Corps. Here's how they evaluated some of their recruits. His men would follow him anywhere, but only out of curiosity. (laughs) He would be out of his depth in a puddle. He's technically sound, but socially impossible. This person is depriving a village somewhere of its idiot. (laughs) This officer is not really so much as a has-been, but a definitely won't be. This woman has delusions of adequacy. She sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. This officer would go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. And on my last report, I said he had reached rock bottom. He has since begun to dig. These would not make good leaders. But this morning, I want you to think with me about leadership styles. It's an important theme in business circles. It's an important theme in church circles. What style of leadership is best for this new year that we're beginning? Jesus called his disciples to follow him. How did he lead? January 5th was the 12th day of Christmas. Yesterday, January 6th, We ended the season of Christmas and began the season of Epiphany. We had an excellent explanation of that by Amy this morning. The original origins of Epiphany as a church festival are somewhat vague, as is the definition of the word Epiphany. It can mean manifestation or revelation, appearance, insight, enlightenment, a shining forth. The Magi from the East came seeking an epiphany, a revealing, a manifestation, an appearance of a king. They were led by following a star. Now they came to Herod's court to see what they might learn about this mysterious star that they'd been following. And the scripture says that Herod was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem knew what Herod was capable of doing. He had instructed the Magi to return to him when they'd found the child they were seeking. And when they didn't return, Herod flew into a rage that resulted in Herod ordering the slaughter of all the boys in the Bethlehem and his vicinity that were two years old and younger. King Herod gives us a model of leadership. He was called Herod the Great by his subjects But that was because they had little choice. He was a king of a small territory consisting of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. He inherited the throne from his father, who had been appointed by the Romans to keep a tight rein on 
these contentious people called Jews. Herod was a petty tyrant, a petty man. He was about 73 years of age when the Magi came to him with the news of an impending birth of a king of the Jews that wasn't him. He was an insecure man, a rigid man, an intolerant man. All he knew was the rule of force. There are leaders like that in the world today. There are leaders like that in churches, in businesses. They only know how to lead by abusing others. They make sure others abide by their rules, no matter how petty those rules may be. Here's an example of that type of leadership. It began a few days before Christmas. Two employees at an electrical cable plant in New Jersey donned red Santa hats and wore them to work. It was a harmless enough act, perhaps a simple gesture of holiday spirit, but a plant manager noticed the hats and called for them to be removed. They were inappropriate for the workplace, he said. The next day, in what became a symbolic show of support, a hundred co-workers showed up with uh, Santa hats. Not to be outwitted, the manager suspended all the employees, and it took the intervention of the union to get the hats off and the employees back to work. And the case went to arbitration. The arbitrators found that it was insubordination by the employees. This is a tale, notes Jolene Godfrey, a person who studies workplace behavior, as rigidity run amok, a tale of of a control freak with too much authority and too little comfort with self or others. That sounds like Herod, too much authority and too little comfort with self or others. That's one style of leadership, insecure, intolerant, inflexible, dictatorial, and some people have a picture of God like that in their hearts. They, they have a picture of God who's one in whom they live in constant fear of offending. For them, God is a God whose disapproval is deadly, whose punishment is swift and without mercy. There is, however, another model of leadership. It's called servant leadership. Servant leaders identify with the people whom they lead, They're willing to get their hands dirty working alongside people. Philip Pillsbury is an example of this type of leadership. Uh, Businessman Harvey McKay, author of the book Swim with the Sharks, tells about Philip of Pillsbury, the Pillsbury Milling family. McKay noticed that the tips of three of Philip's fingers are missing. That's the mark of a journeyman grain miller, he said. Pillsbury is an international, has an international reputation as a connoisseur of fine foods and wines. But to his troops, his reputation is a man who's willing to do hard, dirty work. That's the one that matters, and you can be sure people were aware of it. Jim Wallace, the editor of Sojourner Magazine, is that kind of servant leader. He actually takes home a smaller paycheck than the shipping clerk, because the shipping clerk has more mouths to feed. The decision to develop a salary based on need rather than position was based on a leadership and servanthood model. You know where I'm leading, don't you? (laughs) 
Who was the greatest example of servant leadership? Jesus. He humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant and dirtied his hands with the affairs of humanity. He demonstrated his servant leadership when he took out a towel and a basin of water and stooped to wash the feet of his disciples before he shared the last meal with them. God is not a God of whom we need to live in fear, not an insecure dictator, an intolerant tyrant. God is pure, unlimited, unbounded love. There's nothing but mercy in God. And we can approach God as a loving parent in confidence and joy and assurance that God will never turn us away. What does it mean to follow that kind of leader? What did he command those who chose to follow him do? When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that? One of the ways is by following the Great Commission, making disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that he had commanded them like loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now when Jesus says to make (coughs) disciples of all nations, the word nations is ethne, the word from which we get the word ethnic. I can't make a disciple of a nation. I can make a disciple of a person from a nation. We're called to make disciples from all ethnic groups, all nationalities. We in the United States are a nation of nationalities. Servant leadership is the kind of leadership that Jesus exhibited to those first two disciples the day that John the Baptist pointed him out and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When they asked Jesus where he was staying, he said, come and see. They followed. And one of the first two that followed immediately went and got his brother Simon. And then they grew to 12. And on your bulletin cover are the names of those first 12 disciples and the symbols that represent them, representing how they died for their faith. Since then, his followers have grown to millions who follow this servant leader. How and when did you become a disciple? When did you start following? Who was instrumental in leading you to call in that call to follow Jesus? Take a moment to think of that person. I'll give you a minute. And give thanks for them. Following takes commitment, but it takes more. It takes more than making believers. James 2.19 says, you believe in God? Good, the demons believe in God and shudder. Being a disciple takes believing and following up on that belief by following. This morning we give thanks for the elders and trustees who have led us these last three years. And we've ordained and installed a new class of elders and trustees 
who have answered the call to lead us for the next three years. And by doing, we have agreed to follow their lead as we expand our one campus to make room for more young disciples, to make more young musicians through the School of Fine Arts, to make better equipped students through building blocks by building a building. There's much that we do not understand, but God is a God who staged an epiphany. (laughs) First revealed to shepherds in the little town of Bethlehem, later revealed to Gentile followers of a star that led them to a king. God does not lead by force, but leads by the example of love. Love ultimately revealed on the cross of Calvary, triumphantly released from a garden tomb, Astonishingly, astonishingly appearing in an upper room to send his followers forth to make disciples of all nationalities. When the angel told Mary she was to give birth to Jesus, she worshiped God. When she visited her cousin Elizabeth and the baby in her womb who would become John, worshiped God. When John was born, Zechariah worshipped God. When the angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, they worshipped God. When the shepherds followed up on that announcement and found Jesus, they worshipped God. When the Magi found and followed the star and found Jesus, they worshipped God. When John baptized Jesus, he worshipped God. When John pointed out two of his own disciples and gave them away to Jesus, they worshipped God. And now it's our turn. The way to be a good leader is to be a good follower of Jesus. To answer his call to come and see. I started following Jesus some 52 years ago. Before that, I had read some of the manual. I had learned some of the rules, some of the songs. But in 71, I started following. And I planned to keep on doing that until I closed the gap and see the one I've been following face to face. Until then, I plan on following the great commandment to do my part to fulfill the great commission, not by deciding to wait and see, but responding to Jesus' call to come and see and to go and make disciples. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.